you are so welcome. Um, tonight we're going to deal with a tricky scripture, um, real tricky one. If you've been in seasonal guide groups, you know it's been tricky this week. Who found the scripture tricky this week? Yeah, all right. Um, an interesting story, actually. I have a friend who has had tricky times with scriptures. Um, a few years ago, he, um, he broke up with this girl, and it, uh, it didn't actually go that well, so he decided to send her a Bible verse. Um, just to smooth things over. So he sends her, he sends her, um, he sends her an email. Oh, it's going great already, eh? So he sends her an email, and um, and he's like, you know, I just, um, I just really just want to smooth things over. So he says, you know, Proverbs three, five, and six: Trust in the Lord with all your understanding. Um, lean not on, no, what is it? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He will direct your paths. And he comes back to this email, which was like totally caustic. And full on, and he's like, what have I done? And so he looks back at the last email, and what he actually put in was Proverbs 5, 3 to 6, which says, the lips of an adulteress drip with honey, and his head fled down to death. <laughs> so, um, man, it just couldn't go much worse than that, eh? You could have been anything. Like, it could have just been, like, measure 20 cubits by 10 cubits. Or, and they crossed the road into Jericho, um, but no, the lips of an adulteress drip with honey. Um, so um, I don't, I don't think, I, yeah, I don't think they went to each other's weddings. Um, so um, anyway, what we're looking at this week is Mark three twenty to thirty five. Um, Jody, do you want to read this for us? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Show us. Have you got? I have that. So I've got all over it, like a madman. You just want to read? Do you want the microphone, or do you want to? Uh, Go on. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I can't be loud, but I, yeah, no. Um, great. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by hard word, by the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Belzebub, maybe? Belzebub, yeah. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Yeah, what was that? Oh, that's fine. Thanks, Jody. Yeah, that's a hard-out word, eh? Like, like, it's quite full on. Um, so in this passage, basically, Jesus has been going around healing people, casting out demons. And the question of this passage is, is this a God thing that Jesus is doing? Or is this like a demonic, like sorcery kind of thing? Um, and so in this passage, Jesus arrives in this house and it is so full that there's no room for potluck. So they're kind of all just like smushed into this place. Um, and his family are running around trying to find it because they think he has gone totally cooked, like he has just, he is out to pasture, um, he, he is, he's gone off the deep end, so they're trying to find him, and then the religious officials, who are actually also state officials, come in and say that the good works he is doing are actually the works of Satan, so 
There's that. Um, and Jesus says, it's not Satan. Satan can't defeat himself. Um, and then he goes into this really full-on bit, which I'm going to address in a moment, where he says, there is an unforgivable sin, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Like, that one, you're done. Like, that's, that's just us, you know? Like, does, does anyone watch Parks and Rec? Okay. Tom Haverford, Dunzo, yeah, done. Um, and uh, and then Jesus is alerted to the presence of his family. I've been trying to find him. They arrive, and he says, "What do you mean? Why are you calling me your son? Why are you saying you are my family? My family is everyone who obeys the will of God." So I reckon Jesus has pretty much pissed off everybody who's like come near him in this sort of fifteen verses. Um, but the most confronting part, many of us are probably thinking about, is that unforgivable sin. Truly I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of eternal sin. Anyone here think they've blasphemed the Holy Spirit? Just me. No? Um, all right. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I have. And, um, and it seems that Christ goes a long way for us to be forgiven um, while kind of missing this one thing. Like this was the one thing maybe he didn't put before the Father on the cross. That this was the unforgivable thing that he didn't die for. Um, it, it seems a little odd to me. It seems rough that this would be called unforgivable. But what Jesus is actually talking about here by blaspheming is saying something that is God is not of God. Saying something that is God is not of God. So Jesus is going around healing people. He's going casting out demons. And people are saying this is not the work of God. This is the work of some dark presence. That's what he's talking about. There's a a theologian I often look at for prepping sermons, Craig Keener. He says, blaspheming here means opposing Jesus' messiahship. It means saying he is not the risen Lord. He is not the powerful one. This is something else. When Jesus talks about the unforgivable sin, he probably means that their hearts were becoming so hard they would never think to repent. So, for example, forgiveness comes through Jesus. So if you resist the way of Jesus, you don't find the one who offers forgiveness. People, by their own choice, are choosing to deny the authority of the forgiver, and so are unforgivable. That might be a little confusing. I really like the message version. It says this, listen to this carefully. I'm warning you. There's nothing done or said that can't be forgiven, but if you persist in your slanders against God's Holy Spirit, you are rejecting the very one who forgives, soaring off the branch on which you're sitting, severing by your own perversity all connection with the one who forgives. I like that image, like you are cutting off the branch on which you're sitting. If this branch under you is the grace of God, you're cutting it off yourself when you deny the work of God when, it's pre- when it is present before you. The, the picture we get here is, is that it is people turning their face from the one who offers forgiveness rather than the picture of one bad thing we can do, which ends all of it. Does everyone breathe a little sigh of relief at that? Yes, that's good, eh? Um, so basically, I want to look at... Um, I want to look here because there are essentially two groups who have come to Jesus. And they are claiming that the branch on which he is sitting is not God, and that the vine Jesus grows from is not the Father, and they've really got it wrong. So I want to look at those two groups today, and I want to look at the motives of those two groups. Cool? So the first of those, first slide, Rebecca, thank you, are the religious leaders um, or society. So Christ claims his power is from above, that the power by which he heals, by which he casts out demons, has come from above. And so in saying that, he is saying that the power I have supersedes the power of the religious officials. So this is why they turn up, because he is claiming to have a power 
that is greater than that which they wield. In the culture at the time, it was understood that if you were kind of a dodgy person, a sorcerer, they would call them, then you got your power from below. And so Jesus is saying, my power comes from above, and the religious officials have to come in and say, no, 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 because if his power is from above, then his power supersedes our power. It must be a power from below. In the cult, and so Jesus is claiming he is higher than the established order. Jesus is taking and redistributing power here from the religious officials to the destitute and the demon-possessed. He is taking power off one group and he is giving it to another. And so the concern of the religious officials here is authority. Because authority is how you maintain the status quo in any society, right? Authority is how you maintain the status quo. Authority is how you keep the wealthy wealthy. It's how you keep the powerful powerful. It's how you keep the down down, the up up, the in in, and the out out. That's, That's how we do it. Yet Jesus is upsetting the status quo by offering power to the powerless. And a different kind of power that the authorities cannot seize hold of. They cannot do enough study. They cannot go and get, become some high priest and all of a sudden earn this power. This is a different kind of power. A power from above, not from below. And so this brings him to a confrontation with society that wants to maintain the status quo. First point, the way of Jesus calls us always to a confrontation with society. The way of Jesus calls us always to a confrontation with society. And I think one of the most dreadful and frightening things about the Western church today is how really it comes head to head with society. Because most of us can live a polite, white, middle class existence and call it Christianity. And they are not at all the same thing. So you will know you are living the way of Jesus when you are misunderstood by society. Jesus calls us to believe in a different reality. He calls that reality the kingdom of God. Now, I want you to imagine that we are here in New Zealand and I stand up and I um, get on the news and I say, I am starting a new government. And this government will not pay taxes to the usual government. And it will not do all the things that the usual government requires. It's a new government. This is what Jesus does here. He says to the Roman Empire, I am starting a new kingdom. I am starting a new reign. And it supersedes your reign. That's a full on thing. This is why Jesus was killed. A huge reason, part of the reason why he was killed, is because he was a revolutionary who came saying, I am setting up a counter government to the Roman Empire. That would have been scary stuff. For Caesar, he calls it a kingdom deliberately so that you could have a dichotomy of kingdom versus empire. These are two different things. He deliberately called it a kingdom so that the people could see it was in stark opposition to the Roman Empire. As Jesus says in this passage, he says, a divided house cannot stand. In the same way, in any nation state, there is not room for allegiance to an empire and another kingdom. We know that when there are two groups who want power in a country, it turns into war until it is resolved. And the same is true of us, that within ourselves, we cannot have allegiance both to the empire and to the kingdom, or we are a divided state within ourselves. And Jesus says, I am setting up my kingdom within you. You cannot be allied. You cannot have allegiance to the empire and to the kingdom. You must decide. So we believe as Christians in a different reality. We believe in a different reality. 
And if we believe in a different reality, how could that not bring us constantly into conflict with a society that believes in a false reality? Because we are claiming to have a higher truth than the rest. In one of his parables, he said this kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. He said it's a tiny seed, a weed, which goes under the ground. And then what does it do? It goes under and it reaches out and you don't see it, but it grabs the roots of every root of every tree of empire and it pulls them apart until those trees fall down and then it emerges and gives shelter to all. And this is what they know of the mustard seed. Look up what a mustard seed does. It is a noxious weed that tears down everything else in the garden. The mustard seed and the other trees can't exist. The empire and the kingdom of God cannot exist within us at the same time. See, there are a number of assumptions of the empire that don't gel with the kingdom, but I think we as Christians have too often wanted to bring them together. If we believe that our material success is connected to following Jesus, then we're allied with the empire. If we believe that our happiness is a result of our faithfulness, then we are allied with the empire. If we believe that following Jesus will result in a more comfortable and ordered life, then we are allied to the empire. If you believe that following Jesus will make you a better person who more people like, you have allied yourself to the empire. You have. The kingdom of God stands in opposition to all the empty promises of the consumer empire that we live within. And you can begin to see here probably that if we were like Christ was in this passage to live into that kingdom reality and give our allegiance to Christ and turn our back, turn our allegiance away from the empire, then society many times will not get us. We will reach a confrontation with society because they are saying, your power is coming from below. And we're like, no, 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 you don't get it. In the kingdom of God, the low power is the high power and the high power is the low power. We will reach a confrontation with society. A little while ago, um, I was um, getting on a plane to go to a zeal meeting early in the morning, and an old friend from school who I hadn't seen in eight or ten years came to sit down next to me. And uh, he, he's um, ended up doing some really great stuff um, and uh, making a, a lot of money and, and, and is a, an incredible businessman. And he... Um, he says to me, you know, the normal thing to say, oh, so what are you up to these days? And I'm like, oh, you know, I work for this church and I do this stuff for this charity, you know, and then there's always like the kind of, oh, good for you, um, you know. And so we, we have that little moment and then the next thing is like, oh, so you're like married or whatever? I'm like, yeah, I'm married to this amazing woman, Anna, she's just the best. Um, and, um, and, and then he says, oh, so where are you living? I'm like, oh, um, just living on Cuba Street. He's like, oh, wow, so you guys bought on Cuba Street. I'm like, no, 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 we didn't buy on Cuba Street. He's like, oh, so you got like an apartment? I'm like, so it's kind of more of a flat. He's like, oh, like, you're still flatting? I'm like, oh, we're actually there with these like seven other people. And um, he's like, wait, you and your wife are there with these seven other people? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we pray together with them and and we throw meals and um, we just understand that this is something that our faith calls us to do. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, And so obviously you must be saving for a house today, like saving some money. I'm like, oh, no, that's not... That's not really the deal, you know? And it was like we reached this point where one of us had aligned ourselves with the empire and the other of us had aligned ourselves with the kingdom and all of a sudden we just passed right by one another. And the idea, we just could not get on the same page because we have given our citizenship to two completely different places, two different kingdoms with two different kings. 
Society doesn't understand that the power found in the lowest places is actually the highest power in the universe. So that's the first group, the religious officials. The second group, can put that up, Rebecca, is the mothers and the brothers, or the mother and the brother, or the family. So the punishment for what Christ was doing um, in, in, in going around claiming to drive out demons and to heal people, the punishment for that was death. And so Jesus' family are actually racing around because they're like, if Jesus does another dumb thing like this, our son is actually going to get himself killed. So they're running all around the countryside, around these houses, like, it's probably not dissimilar when we used to work for Zio and sometimes there'd be some kid out in the middle of the night and you're, like, driving around, like, where is this young person? Like, and so they're, they're, they're driving around trying to find um, naughty Jesus who snuck out in the middle of the night to heal people and, um, and, and, and take out demons. Um, and, uh, and so they're driving around and they're like, we need to find him. Um, and what we need to do is we need to get there as soon as possible and say that he is insane because that is the only way that he will not be killed. So the interesting thing here is um, about this family, about the mother and the brothers, is that their concern was their son's safety. Their concern was he's going out doing all these wild things and we are really, really worried for his safety. And you know, that is actually the role of family is to keep a child safe. And keeping a child safe is really good at one, it's really good at two, three, four, five, it's probably good at ten, maybe good at fifteen, but at thirty-three, little clingy, no? If a child is twenty if a child is twenty, twenty-one or thirty-two, if a child has become an adult and their parents are still acting as the guardians of their safety then that will become a barrier to the call of Christ on that person's life. If your parents, if your relationship to your family is still one, where at the age of 25 you are going to them for the big decisions in your life and they are the people who protect your safety, they are quite possibly robbing you of the call of Jesus on your life. That's a controversial thing to say, I know. I'm going to say that one more time. The role of family to keep a child safe is great at 1, 5, 10 or 15, but if a child is 20, 21, 32, if a child has become an adult and their family are still acting as the guardians of their safety, then that is a barrier to the call of Christ on their life. If you're fully living into the way of Jesus, your family will misunderstand you. That's what I see here. Family want you to have good influences around you, and they should. And especially when you're young, they should want you to have good influences around you. You know, I know as a youth worker, we wanted our young people to have good people around them who would help them to make good decisions. But I want to imagine for a second that, um, just imagine that possibly, like, I'm a really dodgy guy. Um, Everyone's like, there. Um, (laughs) um, And and that, um, you know, your friend starts hanging out with me. And then, like, within a day, they quit their job. You're like, oh, man. <laughs> and then they start, like, they kind of, like, walk out of their house and they start carrying around a knapsack begging. And they start hanging out with some people who all live in a house together and say liturgical chants together, um, people who exhibit cult-like tendencies. 
And then they start missing key occasions like family weddings and family funerals. Um, and um, you'd probably start to think I was a pretty bad influence. Yeah? But everything I just said there is what Peter did when Christ invited him. Jesus is a very bad influence. Jesus is a horrible influence on your life. And if you still live under the safety of your family, the ones who will chase you all across the countryside to say you're insane just so you don't get into trouble, then you will miss out on what Christ is calling you to. There is a time where we must grow up and go beyond. This is why it says in Genesis that it is like this. A man will grow up and leave his mother and father and be joined to a woman. We are meant to leave. We are meant to leave. And yes, we are meant to honour our families. Absolutely. We must bless our families for what they have given to us. But for some of us, our families have been too good and too worried about our safety and they've made us unresilient and cowardly people. Unresilient and cowardly people in places. And Peter met Jesus, who was the worst possible influence, who threw away everything that Peter had going for the future in him. Most parents in New Zealand would not let their kids follow that Jesus. That's a reality. To follow Christ, you need to be brave enough to disappoint the people who raised you, even if they follow Jesus too. To follow Christ, you need to be brave enough to disappoint the people who raised you, even if they follow Jesus too. See, good families want you safe and secure, but Jesus calls you almost always beyond safety and security. Almost always. For some of us, it's time to cut the umbilical cord. This means your family don't make the key decisions about your life anymore. It means your parents don't keep sending you money when you've got a job. It means your faith doesn't look like your parents' faith. You work it out for yourself. You work it out in community. And yes, sometimes you go for advice. But you step into your own understanding of what it is to follow Jesus. By the time you leave uni, you should not be looking over your shoulder all the time, wondering if you're doing the right thing. It's time to move on. And yes, we honour our parents, as I said before, we honour the gift they have given us. You know, I mean, I have been a prick to my parents. Don't be like I was when I was 21, going home and railing on their mortgage and things and railing on all the privilege they gave me that gave me the life I had. I am enormously thankful to my parents and I honour them. But if I live under their experience of Christ, I will miss out on what he has for me. Got to cut the umbilical cord. Like Jesus, don't let your mothers and your brothers be a barrier to the reckless way of Jesus. Jesus should be a bad influence on you. Should be a real bad influence on you. So I'm going to bring it into land. Friends, many of us still bow down to the empire instead of serving the kingdom. We have dual allegiance within us. And we are a mess inside because our soul is warring between two allegiances. We have a war going on within our souls because we have not said kingdom of God only. We have said kingdom and the empire. Many of us still find our belonging in bloodlines rather than the blood of Christ. You know, God says that we have been adopted into his family. We are made sons and daughters. That identity trumps any blood identity on this earth. So I want to issue an invitation today to allegiance is your identity with your family or with the family of God is your allegiance to the empire or to the kingdom of God where do you get your idea about reality from where do you make your allegiance 
And we're going to go into prayer ministry soon. And what I'm going to offer, I've, I've got some prayers, which if, if some of this stuff is hitting home with you, I'm going to invite you to pray through with me. Um, and, um, but, but before that, I, I want to, one thing we're going to do after those prayers is I invite you, if this is really big for you, maybe it is for some, maybe not for others, to come kneel at the cross down there. And we want to pray into two things. We've got some, some prayer ministry folks. And what we want to pray into is two things. Number one, a thing called soul ties which is an unhealthy spiritual connection with another person. And then the other thing we want to pray into is spirit ties, which is an unhealthy spiritual connection with an object or a concept, right? Um, So to explain those briefly, some of you may feel like it's time to cut the tie with family. It's time to move on. We want to pray that there. We have a prayer for that. Um, And uh, (laughs) there's a prayer for that. Um, And and if... um, and if the other one, if you feel like your allegiance has been to the, the idea that one day you will be wealthy and secure and you will succeed in the empire, then we want to cut a spirit tie with that and say, no, not allegiance to the empire, allegiance to the kingdom of God. So that's an option for you after we, we pray initially. But um, what I want to do first is I just want to invite you to sit in um, silence for a minute or two. And think about a particular part of this that hits home for you. Um, You may feel really angry. I expect some of you will be angry with me. That's okay. Um, Some of you may feel like grieved. Some of you may find this incredibly complex because of your relationship to empire or your relationship to your family. And, um, And the problem with the sermon is you deliver it to a room of 80 or 100 people and you don't get to say it the way you'd say it to an individual. So we need to invite God's spirit to say the individual things here too. To, to your place um, and to, and to uh, not just react or respond to what I'm putting in front of you. But I wonder if, can I invite the, the worship guys to get up a moment? Um, Hamish Doby. Um, um, and why don't you just for a moment just close your eyes and let's just sit in silence and let whatever of this is... Um, is significant to you, let God bring that to light. God, we open our hearts, we open our spirits, and we invite you. We invite you to speak. We invite you to highlight the part of us that um, is right for us, Lord, and we pray for only conviction, not condemnation. I'm going to read a prayer. You can keep your eyes closed if you want. And I'm going to leave a space between each line of it. And if you want to say it, either under your breath or say it out loud, you can. And if it's not a prayer for you, you don't have to say it. But, but this is, um, I guess this is a big thing for us, so I want to provide some words to lead us in it. Right? So I'll begin this and I just welcome you to either pray it out after me or um, to pray it in your heart how you want to do that. God, my mother, father, brothers and sisters have held me. I thank them for their care and their safety. I honour them for their love and care. I 
I have been blessed by them, and I bless them. But it is time for me to leave everything for you. To let you be the influence on me I know you're meant to be. To be your child first and before everything else. My allegiance and my heart is to and for you, Father and Mother God. God, I have been a citizen of the empire. I have bought into its lies of success, beauty and status. I repent and turn away from the system. I want to see the world as it truly is. I want to be a part of your reign of love, a citizen of your kingdom. My allegiance and my heart is to and for you, King Jesus. Spirit come. Put to death the old me and smash the idols I cling to. Be the branch on which I place my life. Recreate me in love, humility, meekness, patience and forgiveness. invite you if God is doing a deep work as we enter into worship to continue that work over at the cross some people will be there to pray but I'll pray as we begin worship eternal God in whom we live and move our have our being God would you come to the deepest parts of us the parts of us that hate this gospel that we hear tonight and the parts of us who who want it and have courage for it but it still hurts Lord we ask that your spirit would come and hold us Lord, we desire freedom. Lord, we know the enemy comes to rob, kill and destroy. But you have come so we may have life and life to the fullest. So Lord, we ask that, um, that you would come and meet with us.